You are listening to www.infinitesmile.org. Enjoy these Zen Inspired Talks given by Michael McAllister, followed up by question and answer exchanges with groups of his students. If we follow Sri Ramana Maharshi's advice and we follow the eye sense, if we go to the core of this eye sense, we get right into this amazing space where we can get beyond the veil of delusion. And that veil is what we believe in. Yet what's beyond the veil is what's real. So it's very similar in spiritual practice for us to really come up with something that just looks pretty nice on the veil. We turn it into a nicer tapestry or something. We look to find stuff that we can cling to as a way of getting us through particularly difficult times. We look for things to get us through particularly challenging events. We look to the veil to give us meaning in a life that otherwise might be filled with challenges as a way of dealing with the challenges. This is very similar to going to a movie and getting caught up into a film, letting the film speak to the truth in us, but what happens is we actually get caught up in the film enough to where we, for a moment or maybe for two and a half hours, we forget that it's just a film. What's on the other side of the veil? What's on the other side of the screen, if you will? This is the way our life works. It's not to say that what's on the screen or what we on our cushion or in our automobiles or in our kitchens or at our offices or in the conference room it's not to say that none of that is real. It's saying that there is more to that story. It's not that the movie that you see on the screen is not real. It's that there's a vastness to the story that is being unmet if we just adhere to what we see on the screen. So, what is this practice about? What is meditation about? Sure, it lowers our blood pressure. This is wonderful. Sure, it brings us into a deeper sense of calm. This is great. It allows for us to meet our lives with a deeper equanimity. Kind of a surrender of, you know, whatever happens, happens. And boy, you know, I'm sure whatever happens will be a surprise and uh, I'm hoping I'm ready for it. That's what the practice brings. It allows for there to be a surprise, an openness into how it is that we meet our day-to-day. Engaging in this practice is hard. And I remember when I was first starting out, I asked uh, one of my teachers. He was just kind of like this, he had this real light and easy air about him. 
in uh, what was otherwise a pretty dour experience in many respects uh, every time I would go to this particular, you know, Zen center. Everybody's always just, you know, kind of just dour and sad and droopy. And I just kept thinking to myself, you know, if this is what practice is, I I want nothing to do with this. Um, Anyway, so I I met up with him after this. uh, He gave a great Dharma talk, and I went up to him afterwards, and I said, you know, thank you so much. I appreciate how much lightness was brought into your words and came through your talk. It was so helpful because everything has seemed so so heavy and, and humorless. And I said, I really, I really want whatever I do to have a lot of humor in it. And he said, don't attach to that. I was like, oh yeah. Oh yeah. Sure, it's fine to have a lot of humor and it's fine not to have a lot of humor. Can you walk that middle ground? Can you allow for there to be a great deal of humor? Can you allow for there to be not a lot of humor? Can you allow for it all to be as it is? And then respond. That surrender is the generator of equanimity in any situation. Can you allow any situation to be as it is? And then from that place of surrender, act. If you can, you enlighten the world. And one of the simplest ways you can do this is to recognize the eye sense, especially when there is a practice to get you to see the veil. If there is a practice that points out the veil to you in really, really, a really big way, be ready for that. Great example, bowing. That was the last thing I wanted to do when I first started my practice. Bow to whom or to what? Big, huge resistance right there. For me, bowing was submission. Bowing was absolutely anathema to everything that I was about. I can't quote the poem Invictus, but I remember that, that, that whole idea, my head is bloody but unbowed. I have pride. I am a somebody. It was really, really you know, powerful in me all the way up until I, I finally started getting into Zen practice, which was about the opposite of that. And I kind of came to it because my head was bloody and I was ready to bow. Not give in, but give up to this idea that I had to somehow take it. That I had to fight. That I had to conquer. That I had to represent something. That I had to be something other than what resonated effortlessly just by eating breakfast mindfully. Now, the point of this is not to get too personal or to tell you too much about my story. As much as it is to recognize or help 
all of us in this room, myself included, recognize that this humility is stillness. We have two kinds of humility. One which is inauthentic, one which is an egoic negotiation, one which is a way for your separate self-sense, your I-sense, to get something. And the other kind of humility is one that is profoundly deep and rich. The deep humility can come when you let go of the I that is willing to have its head bloody and not bow. The minute that protected sense of self, that one that's ready to just pound anything that comes near it, the one that is truly defensive, the one that truly resists everything that shows up that threatens it. And by the way, everything threatens the separate self-sense. Everything threatens the I-sense. That's its job, to be threatened. The minute we can move from that contracted place behind the wall and the stillness practice starts to poke holes in the wall, we can start to see through the wall. I'll say it another way. The minute our stillness practice starts to allow for certain tears to develop in the veil, we start to see through it. And in that space, instead of a contracted humility, one that is bound, we have a deep humility. And the deep humility is actually where we bow because we see not only the holiness in ourselves reflected in wisdom meeting compassion right in front of our nose, but we also see it in the person sitting right across from us. When we bow then, we have an opportunity for deep humility. And the deep humility is recognizing that there is no boundary between me and you. There is no boundary between self and other. We bow to what is holy in both of us equally. And then when we live from that space, we live from stillness. We can have great activity. We can actually be doing tons of stuff. We can be engaged in all sorts of things. But we see through the things. We see through the awkward board meeting. We see through the tense interchange with all those other drivers on the freeway so we can go bring home bacon. No matter what it is, we can see through it. The veil gets sliced with this sword of truth. And that sword of truth is forged as we sit. And it's so freeing. It is so beautiful. What are you giving up? Positively everything. Absolutely everything. Your entire relationship with time. Your entire relationship with things. Shift. probably most profound 
is that your relationship to thoughts no longer hold you. They're loose. You have thoughts. The thoughts don't have you. This is a miraculous way to walk in the world. This is a miraculous way to be in the world. You are a miracle when you are dancing this way. As opposed to dancing with a partner, ego, ego, dancing with a partner, you actually are what allows for the ballroom to be there in the first place. Instead of being caught by the movie, by what's on the screen, you actually are the energy that suffuses the audience, the electrons in the chairs, and the screen itself, and the light that is projected. It's a much deeper context when you have that surrendered relationship to thoughts. Similarly, when you have that surrendered relationship to feelings that you may have, we're in the same space a vast spaciousness as opposed to a wary negotiation, a wary navigation through the minefields of an imagined existence. Maybe another way we can say this that I, I, I point to a great deal is that in the stillness practice, when we follow this I sense, when we look at a deep relationship with thoughts, a deep relationship with feelings. We can merge those two together and say things. When you, have a, when you have a deep relationship filled with humility with things and surrender with things and you have the same experience with time, a surrendered relationship to time, a recognition that everything in the past is something that your mind attaches to, everything in the future is something that hasn't happened yet and that your mind attaches to. You can surrender that into what always exists, the now, and recognize that it's all there ever is, the now. Where does that lead you? It leads you and everybody else into this space of deep humility where the I sense itself, the I sense itself gives way to something truly profound, It's an explosion. It's an annihilation of everything that came before. Yet it doesn't mean that everything that came before cannot be used as a tool to help you in the now. It's like when you first fell truly, madly, deeply in love. Your life was never the same. We changed fundamentally. That's the same thing that happens when we follow our eye sense to its core. When we look at the screen and realize that that isn't the whole story. When we recognize that everything we run into all day long can be met fully, truly, madly, deeply with a bow that is felt sincerely, 
that comes from a very deep place within. When we do that, generosity becomes our guide. And when generosity becomes our guide, the world changes. We become the change we wish to see in the world, as Gandhi said. I'm wondering why um, the terror in the veil has occurred for me in one of the areas of my life that's probably the most vulnerable, which is my art practice. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's a- occurred in other places, but that's where I've become more aware of it. And I'm aware that it's happening, but I don't um, understand why. Tell me about that. What, what is it you're aware that what happens, that you believe in the veil? Well, what happens is that I, I'm not attached so if the chin blows off of something that comes out, out of the kiln that I've made, mm-hmm. um, I look at it and go, oh, what an opportunity. <laughs> and it's not um, the way I used to be. You know, it was tragic before. Wow. Um, so that's been happening for me. And, and I think, well, what an odd place for it to, to start. You know, because it's the most, it's the area where I'm the most vulnerable. And isn't it also the area that is most deeply connected to surrender? Surrender is the only place where creativity, and you know this as an artist, surrender is the only place where creativity springs authentically, from which creativity springs authentically. So, when you don't attach to even the outcome of the kiln experience. That's a microcosm of your entire life. What a great place for it to start. And it also seems like it's the place that's closest to meditation for me. How so? Because I, I lose myself. So for two and a half hours... I don't even realize that time's passing. Now, I don't know that that's being in the now <laughs> because I, I guess I am, you know, sure. because I'm doing whatever it is that's in front of me. Are you doing it so fully that there's no past and no future? There yes. only is yes. the clay or there is the, the clay. It is, yeah. Right. Okay. Great place to start. Now, when things suck, let that guide you practice that too keep practicing the surrender of the kiln experience but practice that surrender also when especially when things suck um it's a little confusing to me and it seems like an important idea of um bowing to your thoughts Mm. and I don't what's that look like I mean how is what's that it's I mean I I know there's a relationship to my thoughts but what is bowing to them bowing to your thoughts it looks exactly ready you sure I'm I'm trying (laughs) it looks exactly like your spoon going into the soup bowl and feeding yourself soup it looks exactly like that. As long as you are having that whole soup experience fully, 
bowing to your thoughts is nothing other than doing doing it fully whatever it is fully you are continually bowing to your thoughts if you are witnessing them and the way we witness them is to do them fully with no mind with with no past referential treatment overlay or template thrown onto the experience without any future expectation attachment to outcome or anything like that thrown on the experience we do the experience fully the experience itself is a bow when we do the same thing with our thoughts when we witness the thought we honor it we neither grasp it nor avert it we just become intimate with it a bow is the ultimate therefore in intimacy and and how is humility part of that humility is the grace and ease that comes from surrendering to whatever it is and we physicalize it by actually angling our genitalia in the other direction and putting wisdom in one hand compassion in the other letting them meet right in front of our nose and offering them we we offer our neck to the experience go ahead take it take it it's a total surrender right and instead of the instead of the greed you know that might come from from grasping it's the opposite it's the allowing so any thought that is allowed gene any thought that is allowed any feeling that is allowed and it, when i say allowed i mean allowed fully to the point where there's no grasping and no aversion it's studied that is what the bow to thought looks like and it's strikingly similar to eating our soup fully seems like some of our thoughts are egoic actually all of our thoughts are egoic okay so doesn't that give them power yeah, yeah but on what scale it's on the small self scale as opposed to the big self explosion okay now the big self explosion our through line to that is as we pay full attention to whatever small self reality is thrown up on the veil okay or on the screen if we can the, through the whole movie <laughs> recognize that that isn't the whole story because we're here in the audience as the audience as the chair as the theater as the light that's projected onto the screen as the screen itself as what's behind the screen as what's outside of the theater if we can contextualize our experience into that realm what kind of weight does what we see on the screen carry right it's much smaller much smaller much less significant so um, related to a number of books i've been seeing out there and a couple that i've read is about acceptance of whatever the experiences or whatever is before you just accept it mhm however the the cautionary note there is what what's the cautionary note you think is it, is it that you accept it and you just go ha oh, what the hell oh oopsie <laughs> i'm staying in bed well that's that's kind of a 
A form of pushing away. Very good. That's right. So acceptance is just, to me, I see it as being able to look at whatever's in front of you honestly. And then what? And then responding. Class dismissed. (laughs) That's it. It's the total acceptance of what is and then responding. This is why if you went up on a mountaintop and just decided, okay, I have reached nirvana, I'm in this bliss state, and I'm not coming down, you are half of what's needed for enlightenment to be full. What's the other half? Come on back down off the mountain and respond, (laughs) please. So you allow whatever is, as it is, to be what it is, and then respond. If your response, however, is tainted with any type of egoic attachment or aversion, then the response is defiled. Okay, so if you respond appropriately, what's sort of your litmus test, if, whether it's from, you know, it's your ego responding or it's your big self responding? Uh, the level of resistance that you feel. In other words, if there's a tremendous amount of resistance involved in the response either no way I'm letting that happen or there's no way I'm not letting that happen that level of of resistance is the litmus test it's because sometimes you know when you're changing or evolving you you might be concerned about a new way to respond and mm-hmm. so you're sort of holding on to the old way yeah even though you want to try to do it the new way right you resist the new way. Right. So then how do you, so really maybe you're resisting a way that you really don't want to be anymore. So does that really help me with that one more time? Say that well, again. I think you could, can't you feel a lot of resistance because you almost feel like you're, you know, you've got this new way of handling some things mm-hmm. and you've got lots of years of the way you used to do it. Sure. And so you're, letting go of the old way for the new way but it, it's almost like you got some little demon inside you telling you don't let go of the old way right and that de- demon's name is what well i guess it's your ego it sure is now so essentially what the new way if you will a, a way that is informed with deep humility is a way that is informed with deep ego lessness Right, but you can still feel very uncomfortable doing that. Oh, you, it's not like you're just sort of actually you know, on cloud nine. I will promise that you will feel really uncomfortable doing that. Right. As a matter of fact, when it, that's, that's what scares most people out of practice. They get into this because, oh my gosh, it feels great. That's number one. And then number two, hey, I can even have an identity now. I can be a meditator. I can be a seeker. I can have a teacher. I can have, Right. And then stage three is, this is really difficult. Okay, I'm on really unstable ground. As a matter of fact, I'm not on any ground at all. This is not comfortable. This is actually, this is a threat. That not only is this a threat, but that guy's evil. Or that woman is evil, that teacher. They don't know what they're talking about, and they're messing with my head. We get into this cyclical relationship with the contraction. 
And the contraction can always spin us. It can always generate a deeper and deeper vortex of contraction. So, letting go of that is strenuous. And the shortcut or the way around it, the most painless way around it, or the way that supports surrender, deep humility, that which focuses the shine of your awareness onto the separate self-sense, onto the I-sense, is teacher, is teaching, is group. The Buddha, the Dharma, the Sangha, the Father, the Son, the Holy Ghost. Well, you pick your three. They all work to create this stable triangulation that allow, when everything starts flying apart, you are able to kind of reorient into something that's deep and spacious. The response from that place becomes a new skin. You start to inhabit this new skin. Shedding does not feel good. That's why you have a group of people around you. You have somebody or some people who've had experience of this before. And you have a canon of scripture that shows you exactly what the map looks like. Kinda. So is it, is it, well, I suppose it's deeper than behavior, but on the surface it's like you're trying to change your behavior, right? That's more, in, in my view of this, this uh, uh, the practice, behavior is what kind of starts to shift as we spiritually begin to shake, rattle, and roll. Once the shake, rattle, and roll begins, what happens is there's a huge cognitive shift. From the cognitive shift, there's a behavioral shift. All right? All sorts of things start to interrelate. And it doesn't go along in a linear way, in my estimation. It's, it surges and, and pulls back and so forth and, and kind of blobs along. But what happens is it, there's this growth. And this growth is what we call evolution. That in us which is form and rooted in form, our body, our speech, our mind, that starts to actually become more expansive. But what is it really inhabiting? It's inhabiting the expanse that has been there the whole time, that has never left. It was here prior to the Big Bang. It was the Big Bang. It's infused in every single aspect of the Big Bang. And that's what we're kind of inhabiting as we, uh, as we sit still. <laughs>